to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host, Lawson. Hey, Lawson, it's good to be back today with you. Yeah, absolutely. Danuta, how are you feeling? Yeah, not bad. Uh, well, pretty good. I still had the niggle of the sore throat last night mm-hmm. a bit, but, but pretty good. But I did listen in to you guys yesterday morning. I loved your rendition of the birthday song <laughs> together with Monica. Like how shell. That was really cool. My favorite part is how drastically out of key it was. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Mon and I started in two different areas, and that's it, the way to go. But it, but it didn't converge. You know, it didn't. It didn't eventually come together. It just stayed like that, and and just kind of fun. But it was it was funny. And shout out producer <laughs> Shell as well, who had an amazing birthday yesterday, and lots yeah. of you guys sent messages in. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm. Good. I moved into my dorm on Great. Sunday. Then yesterday was our first and only day of orientation, which was nice. You know, nice. We to, so no classes yesterday. Yeah, no that classes. Was, but right. you know, got some like free food and then like a cute little concert last night that was run by the students. Oh, and cool. then today in the classes. So, you know, I, I have a class at 10 a.m. So when we finish here at radio, I'm, I'm out you of here. You shoot I'm, right I'm off. I'm <laughs> gone because it's, i got to go and start, I believe the one I have this morning is Survey of Ethics and Philosophy. So, oh, so, you great know, one to start with. Absolutely. <laughs> learning about what's right and what's, and what's wrong, wrong. And, and what's happening and yeah. you know, how we should reflect, especially like from the Bible. That's the, yeah. that's the whole idea as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Do you know how many are in your classes yet or not? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I don't think I know. I could probably, there's a way to check like, there's the the Moodle page and you can go and maybe see who's enrolled but I, I guess I'm just letting it come to me. You know, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just like, yeah, it's like, hey. You'll enjoy I'll, the moments when you walk in the right. class. That's right. I'll see when I'm in, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Like, you know, I already know some people who are in certain subjects with me, but it's like, hey, no, nah, it'll be good. So yeah, shout out to all the rest of my fellow uni students. Yeah, that's it. Uh, fellow Avondale students who are starting today and cool. everyone who outside of Avondale who started three weeks ago. You know, shout out to <laughs> those guys as well. I hope you're living your best lives. And coming up on today's show, we have Michael Cook from Creation Ministries International and in our new segments, we have discoveries in Malta, which are fascinating. We're looking at religious schools and other new discoveries also with breast milk. And coming into our Bible study time, we're continuing with Ephesians 4 on the unified body of Christ together as one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we've got our first question for today. Yes. Uh, Lawson, take it away with the quiz and an exciting prize. Preaching from the grave, which we'll tell you about in a sec, but um, take it away with the first question, Lawson. Yes, our first question for the quiz today. I am the father of Manasseh, the king of Judah. Who am I? If you know the answer to this one, hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win Preaching from the Grave, a story of faith from the Rwandan genocide. Now, this book is written by a guy whose name's Fadidas Gabe, which I'm doing my best to pronounce. And I, I, was, I was talking as I was <laughs> practicing it before we came You're on doing air. well. But hey, this story is an amazing... This book is an amazing story Mm. coming from that period of time, the early 90s, which unfortunately, uh, yeah, one of the worst genocides that we've seen in the modern era took place. Uh, 70% it was of the Tutsi tribe were killed by Hutu extremists. And this story is about, it's this person's personal biography of living in that scenario and relying on God and standing for their faith regardless of what was taking place. It'd be so hard, wouldn't it? Really Absolutely. In that kind of, with that kind of trauma around you mm. and everything. And 
But, but again, Jesus is the anchor. Absolutely. And so this person, they're sharing their experience. And I think as Mon was saying yesterday, in a really kind of powerful sense, these stories are now coming out as we get further and further away from the event. We're hearing just, yeah, how it is that amazing things were happening, whether it's World War One, or World War Two, or the Vietnam War, and then even, you know, now with... You know, this story here from the Rwandan genocide. So guys, 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, I am the father of Manasseh, the king of Judah. Who am I? If you know the answer to that one, give us a text. Tell us the right answer. And you go in for the draw, which we are giving away three of these books, which is usually That's not something that we do. We're, we're usually, we're, we're stingy. No, we give something, <laughs> we're giving something for free. We usually give away a prize that's amazing. Now we have three prizes we that are amazing. We have three. I know, so, that's really exciting. So that's more chances to win, but that means that there's more pressure on you to, to just get in. Just get in with correct answers, stack Absolutely. the deck, and you can win. Again, that number, 0491-064-669. Danuta, yeah. what's happening in the world of Positively Different News? Oh, there's something really exciting. I love discoveries. Do you like discoveries? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love discoveries, and especially when it ties back to to uh, Jesus's time. So there's been a two thousand year old Roman house uncovered in oh, wow. Malta of all okay. places. And okay, yeah, nice. Yeah, two thousand year old. So they're believing that it's from around um, around one B- BC to about uh, the second AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so around that period of time, wow. it belonged. They believed to a wealthy family. It's in the heart of the ancient city of Melite within Malta. Mm. So of course, Malta is just off the coast of Sicily mm. from Italy. And it's a small island, but they've uncovered it. It's got these incredible photos of a mosaic floor. I love mosaics. Mm. I love mosaics. When we were actually in Israel, I remember there were places that were uncovered. I remember going into in Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine, for mm-hmm. instance. There's um, a, there's a little uh, church there built on a place that is believed to have been um, possibly you know one of the, the churches before where there's just a little bit of the mosaic floor, but it's a lot lower than the floor there at the moment. And they've actually got glass over it and it's just got bits and pieces. But this one's actually really completely intact, which is absolutely incredible. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's actually believed, so it's of course from the Roman era, from that, that, that time when we look at it. Mm. And it's right in the heart of that ancient city. And amazingly, it's, it's there's this decorated mansion that's called Roman Domus. Mm. And it's been uncovered by lots of, from lots of soil. And so found, they've found mosaic floors. They've found wall frescoes, which of course are paintings. Um, and in Italy, of course, they've got lots of wall paintings. When you think of Michelangelo, did a lot of the, the ceiling paintings, which yeah, I've been to yeah. Florence. It's absolutely incredible to actually see his paintwork mm. and um, Leonardo da Vinci and of those. But so they've actually got wall frescoes, which is the paintings on the walls of, of watercolors. And they've also got marble decorations that they've actually found. So it's definitely from the Roman Empire. And it's also, they believe, definitely from a prominent person, possibly a representative of an emperor of that mm. time or someone close to the court, um, to the court, you know, being involved in the courts and that sort of thing. So Malta, Malta overall has been quite understudied when it comes to archaeological stuff. So this mm. is an amazing finding, apart from the fact that it's also in the, you know, back 2,000 years ago and during the Roman Empire, which is absolutely 
Fascinating. And of course, uh, so you're busting to say something. I can tell. <laughs> ah, I just like the history of Malta. It's one of the places that's name dropped in the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We, by Paul. By Paul, because he went there. He it Absolutely. Was, it was Paul. It was, you know, in the book of Acts, he, he ends up in Malta in a shipwreck. But you're saying the era is 1 BC to 280. So during the early years of Christ, which some, that's- I would say like 40, 50 years before before Paul showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I would say, probably no, closer to 50 years. P- p- closer to 50, 60. Yeah. yeah something like yeah. this. Before Paul was there and was, uh, was yeah, it, you know, shipwrecked on the area where he got bit by a snake. That's right. And survived. And, and all the people in Malta were like, well, who's this guy? And then many abs- people were converted. And that, that, that's exactly where I'm going with this. Mm. Cause that's exactly when I saw this, that's where my mind went directly to Paul. Mm. And the fact that God in his own, um, amazing way, you know, with, with the most prominent evangelist around at the mm. time <laughs> and the biggest church planner, Paul, mm. you know, was involved in this shipwreck and they went to Malta and so many were actually, in fact, converted. And that's the beautiful thing because that's where Christianity started, um, was with Paul. Paul actually coming there. Mm. And I love the fact that, you know, here, this is actually uncovering. And and the interesting thing is that at around the time of, um, around Paul's visit, the official that is actually named is Publius or Publius. I, I think I would usually say it Publius. Mm. And that's recorded in Acts 28. And you've got to wonder whether, some, you know, it may have been either his one of his relatives, earlier relatives or family in some kind of way because, of course, it's told that with this house, it's actually from somebody really mm. quite prominent. And so... Yeah, the emperors, you know, the, the rulers of that time are actually mentioned in the Bible. And what I really, really love about history is that it merges together with the Bible mm. and it confirms that the Bible is true. Absolutely. That's why I so love history. Yeah. I'd love us to have Wayne French in here maybe sometime. He mm. he does the Tutankhamun Road Show mm. all around New South Wales to the schools. But, you know, he knows a lot on history and stuff like that. But, yeah. Fascinating yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're not following a, a book of fables. You know, it's not no. set thousands of years ago outside of the scope of history, but right within history in which we can observe. And we're seeing, you know, as we're doing, finding all these archaeological finds and whatnot. And I'm hoping, as you said, you know, Malta is relatively untouched in that space. And, you know, they've been able to just, oh, hey, here's a whole house of a Roman, of a Roman governor or whatever yeah. it may be. And so potentially in the future, if they're continuing to do excavation and whatnot, they'll be able to find potentially even even more early, you know, Christian historical you know, things happening there. Absolutely. Uh, so I really, I think it's a real uh, case of watching the space and seeing yeah. what they find, what they dig up going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, on another interesting find, uh, this is relating to cerebral palsy. Of course, cerebral palsy um, is some uh, is where there's some, some effects done on the brain, mm. you know, with the development of the brain, and it can actually happen before, during, or after birth. And it's a congenital disorder that affects the movement and the tone and mm. posture of, of children unfortunately and I've come across a lot of that when I was a speech pathologist as well Mm. so it doesn't just affect their movements but it can affect their swallowing and Mm. their speech as well but the fascinating thing and this is from North Carolina 
um, in the Duke, uh, researchers at Duke Health in North Carolina have actually identified a fatty molecule in the breast milk that actually triggers a process of reversing the injury. So the interesting thing is that about 10% of babies born that, that are prematurely born, mm. um, up to about eight weeks prematurely, can actually develop uh, cerebral palsy, mm. resulting from the infections that damage the nerve fibres actually in the brain. Mm. And so what they've discovered now is that there's this lipid that actually... Um, in the in the breast milk that it's uh, that that it's actually promotes white matter development in the brain and it can actually begin to develop in the way to give to be given to them intravenously so, because of course these children have problems with a with, with gastrointestinal problems mm. and things with swallowing but the the fascinating thing is that it's actually um, you know, being developed in such a way that this lipid actually from the breast milk actually promotes white matter development in the brain. And I think that's jolly, jolly exciting. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's come time, Lawson, for our second quiz question. It's another short one this morning. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> Take it away. Here we go. What seven-day feast followed Passover. Ah. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer. And if you do, if you text us in the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win Preaching from the Grave, A Story of Faith from the Rwandan Genocide by Fiditis the Dayamgabe. Yeah. We will give you that book absolutely for free. You just have to win the draw. And to get in the draw, you just have to answer these questions correct. As we said before, there will be three of these books that we are drawing on Friday. So, guys, you just need to get entries in to be – you just got to be in it to win it. That's absolutely. the case. Absolutely. And I love true life stories. Do you love true life stories? Oh, of course. Like, I, even the movies, like the yeah. documentary, you know, documentaries and stuff, my husband and I – watched a fascinating, really fascinating documentary mm. on the weekend, um, and, but also true life mu- movies. Mm. I love it when they bring these kind of books to life as well, but they can be so gut-wrenching as well. Like yeah. this one as well would be just so gut-wrenching. I yeah. imagine there'd be spaces that you've got to put the book down because it's just too hard. But Yeah, but yeah. it's a fantastic book, guys, mm. and a powerful Absolutely. story of Jesus working in one of the one of the most devastating and tragic times in you know modern history absolutely during the rwanda genocide so guys hey again that question was what seven day feast followed the passover 0491 064 is our number to text if you know the answer listening to the breakfast show this morning with myself lawson and denuda as well and i am going to be talking as you introed before about religious schools because there's something mm. happening in the united states and i want to use some time to reflect on australia as well which is it's a really interesting scenario because it's the united states walking into a situation that australia has already been through mm. and that is that In Oklahoma, in the United States, there is a Catholic school that is set to become the first publicly funded religious school in the U.S. True. First first one. The first one. Now, when I read this... That's incredible, uh, because like our private schools here actually get government funding. (laughs) Absolutely. When I read this, uh, this, I, I was like... 
is this the first Catholic school? Because again, right. yeah, private schools here in Australia, private schools, religious schools, like pretty much every single school in Australia. I I don't know of a school that does not receive public funding. Yeah. Re- religious schools in Australia absolutely do. And as a result of religious schools, you know, receiving public funding, uh, there has been some criticism against that from you know people who are not necessarily anti-religious schools here in Australia, but would say, hey, well, religious schools have the ability to raise money through other means. Why do they need to receive money from the government? Uh, furthermore, there are people on the other side of the argument saying, oh, it's it's a good thing for religious schools to receive you know, government funding to give more option of education. But then you go to the other side, I think the, the opinion of uh, many Christians, you could say that, oh, yeah. maybe it's a bad thing for schools to receive, religious schools to receive public funding because then the government has the ability to dictate the curriculum. Mm. And I know that I went to a school when I was in in high school. Shout out Hunter Christian School, actually. I think it's a, it's a beautiful school, and I was really Lovely. blessed by them. Even though I wasn't a Christian growing up, I went to this beautiful, amazing Christian school. Wow. But I know as well, even though they were a very spiritual school, a you know, very biblically-oriented school, and we're sitting there in year eight science, and our teacher, I believe it was Mr. Carter, is telling us and describing to us how it is that evolution works in geology. And, and I remember one of the students put up their hand and said, oh, well, sir, like, I don't believe this. Why do I have to learn oh, about good, it? Why I'm do I have student. to? I'm a student. I love it. And, but, then, <laughs> but then Mr. Carter said, well, neither do I. Like, <laughs> like, like there you, you know, go. We That's also so hold the position. We believe in creation yeah. here at this school. But this is what we have to teach. Like this is yeah. a part of our curriculum and this yep. is what's needed to, to be taught in school in order for you, for us to live up to the requirements of, you know, the, the school board, which they have to adhere to because yeah. they're publicly funded. And, that, and that's the thing with public, with the public funding, like you say, there is a certain requirements that they actually then have. So, so tell me with this school, what mm-hmm. made them want to go, you know, take the government funding and how did that come about? Well, essentially in June, the Eric Lahoma school board approved an application uh, for, you know, sponsorship um, for the St. Isidore of Seville Catholic Virtual School. So it's interesting, this school as well, it functions, it's like a distance education school. It functions in person, but a lot of the students are online as well. It's like a a distance education Catholic school. Uh, But as a part of the, the charter for this, the Oklahoma school board, they, you know, put their standards like okay if you're going to receive funding you know certain standards over you know teaching and understanding in relationship to the lgbtq and other minority groups and whatnot in terms of their educational content and ethos and admissions has to be met and upheld because it's like okay now you're receiving funding from us that's gonna be really interesting there's a mandate you have to follow now this is the thing we're going through this in australia at the moment yeah with with this religious discrimination bill here in australia and particularly in in australia the questions are in regards to hire the hiring of teachers in christian schools and whether uh, because here in Australia we have the Fair Work Act and yes. that Fair Work Act dictates there's certain 
different aspects of a person's life that you can't discriminate against yeah. when hiring. So, for right. example, someone's sexual orientation, their marital status, uh, their pregnancy status. Uh, there's, there's a whole list of them. My sister's a HR, and we had an awesome right. guy. So you would have put them out and had th- a look. That, that's right. Well, my sister, she, we've had great conversations about you know going through and understanding what's in the Fair Work Act because that's the thing. She's con- My sister, as a HR for, for a company, she's constantly reflecting on that Care Work Act and going, okay, because she has to hire people and fire yes. people and whatnot and uh, what, what's actually within the bounds of, you know, termination and what's not and, and all these different things and, and, and hiring the same as well. And some people take that even further, don't they? They actually yeah. kind of take something even further than that and you kind of go, well, where does that fit in with the whole Absolutely. Group? Well, this, is, this was the point of the Religious Discrimination Act was, hey, although religion is a protected category within the Fair Work Act, yeah. do we give an exemption to Christian schools so that they can hire according to faith because it is a faith-based job? Mm. But then, And there's the, certain morals the, that they want to abide by and certain values and right. beliefs that they want to abide by. The argument against that is here in Australia is that, oh, well, teaching isn't a faith-based job because there are you know lots of teachers who are teaching in contexts that aren't faith-based. Like uh-huh. teaching is teaching because the government dictates what the curriculum is not the school so wow. this is this is really key and then wow. so this is this is the battle and this yeah. is the pendulum and this There's is what tension, we've one been way and the other here in australia we've the the various governments that have gone through particularly now that we've uh transitioned from a liberal federal government to a labor federal yeah. government and and basically i uh, since 2017 2018 this legislation has been trying they've been people have been trying to put this legislation through and it's failed every single time up until now it still hasn't gone through and we've talked here we've interviewed people on the mm-hmm. radio even uh Michaelia cash the mm-hmm. the former um, i believe they were the attorney general for australia we interviewed them here on the uh, on the breakfast show mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's interesting it's an interesting space that now these conversations are happening for the first time in the US because up until this point private schools and religious schools were whole like completely privately funded or funded through sponsorship and so as a result they had the ability to very much dictate their curriculum dictate mm. their hiring dictate all these things but now they're starting to take steps And that's really interesting because the US is considered, of course, as such a strong religious country Mm because you go, uh, even on TV, they talk about God really quite openly as compared to here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting also how much have they been watching what's happening within Australia. Mm. And it's interesting that it's a Catholic school that's actually the first one to do that. Yeah, the first one to take the steps. And obviously, the obvious reason it's like, why do private schools in Australia take money from the government? Because they need it. Because yeah. every every school needs money to function. Absolutely. Uh, public schools need and money. To keep private ex- schools need expanding, money. Expanding because the private schools are expanding all the time, and the buildings, especially, costs a lot. Absolutely. To, to, to put together. And mm. so you could think, okay, well, why are they doing this? Why is this Catholic school in the United States, you know, doing this and then subjecting themselves to these certain restrictions over the curriculum and over the teachers? And the answer is. Well, because they need money. Yeah, like, like, like they, they need money to run. And so it seems as though it's almost like this deal with the devil needs to take place in order for schools to receive this. And But how, you know, is it a benefit? Is it not a benefit? Hey, let us know what you mm. think. 0491-064-669. Again, that's 0491-064-669. Should schools be going down this direction? Is taking government money a good thing in regards to Christian schools? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
And before we get into an interview with Michael Cook from CMI, we will be doing another quiz question. Here we go. Jude compared the sins of the people to Cain, Balaam, and which other notorious Old Testament character? Mm. If you know the answer to that one, 0491064669. Thankfully, Jude... It's only one chapter. It's, it's a one chapter <laughs> book. We want to we want to encourage you. You know, if you yeah, can use that right. big brain of Bible knowledge of yours to to just know the answer to this, then we will. You know, that's fantastic. But at the same time, if you're if you're lost, and usually we encourage people who aren't regular church attenders to to crack the Bible open. By regular church attender, I mean someone who doesn't go to church every week. Crack the Bible open and have a look. Read the Book of Jude. It's very short because there's is, only it's really. It's, there's no chapters. <laughs> it's just a bunch of verses there. But again, Jude compared the sins of the people to Cain, Balaam, and which other notorious Old Testament character? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669, you'll go into the draw to win Preaching from the Grave, a story of faith from the Rwandan genocide by Fidaitis Nadayum Gabe. Now, we have uh, on our breakfast show this morning an interview with Michael Cook from Creation Ministries International. Michael, are you there with us? I am indeed, yes. It's, it's a real privilege and blessing to be with you this morning. Absolutely, and we are always blessed from the CMI guys who come on our radio station and talk about all things creation and how we can believe in the beautiful narrative of creation that God has given us from a scientific perspective, from a theological perspective. But we would love to talk about today and would love to reflect on this topic of truth. What Mm. is truth? How do we relate to truth and how does truth relate to science and observation because it's a huge message where uh, it's a huge uh, it's a huge topic because we live in in an era in which truth is rarely trusted uh we've kind of been burnt a little bit by truth <laughs> regarding you know if you look at fake news and the advent of the idea that people can be swayed into different directions through false information which is so easily able to sh- be shared so where should we stand on this michael what do you think that's a really good question. Um, it's interesting. This morning, one of our lead articles on our website, creation.com, it's just quoting a couple of um, evolutionary scientists who are very anti-Christian, but they um, say that is progressive ideology subverting biology, and they're raising an interesting question that even the idea of science is being undermined by people thinking, well, there's no such thing as objective truth, and we can make mm. up our own rules, and even science is now being impacted. Mm. Um, so it's a very interesting article, but they've failed to realize that their atheistic ideas have actually been a trigger point for people moving away from believing God's word, mm. and therefore you know, doing good science and thinking uh, in a, a clear and straightforward way. Mm. Mm. Well, so that is such an interesting perspective because, okay, so we're seeing people from an atheistic perspective who usually claim to be on the side of a testable, observable truth rather than faith, now essentially admitting that, oh, well, that's not something that we can actually see or observe or understand or hold. That's right. It is, and it's just amazing. Even some very um, well-qualified scientists are now coming out and saying, "Well, I'm a scientist, but I don't believe in truth." You know, it's it's, it's basically wow. It boggles boggles the mind, doesn't it? How subjective this whole thing has become, and um, 
it's just really starting to impact people, not only um, especially young people with what's our what's the purpose, why am I here, where am I going, mm. um, where did I come from, but we're seeing even people are very well qualified starting to struggle with the idea of objective truth. Mm. Um, it is bizarre, um, interesting, and concerning. Mm. And it's like you say, Mike, I mean, it's, not, uh, it's Danuta here, hi. Um, it's really interesting, isn't it, that so many that, that do try and study to prove the Bible wrong end up actually believing the Bible. Yeah, exactly. That's right. If people go in with an open mind and start to do research, and there are so many testimonies of people who were you know, profoundly atheistic, but they were willing enough to go down the track and do the research. Mm. Um, we see um, different people like Jay Warner Wallace, you know, um, cold case Christianity, mm. a, a former homicide detective, and he studied, sat down, and sat down, and worked through the evidence, and became a committed believer because you know, wow. the evidence spoke for itself. Yeah, it's a, there's many, many people like that um, who have actually gone with an open mind and led with the evidence has taken them. Mm. Now, I'd love to ask, what has triggered this shift for scientists to be able to say this? I think especially after, uh, as, mm. as you kind of portrayed, like a lot of the damage has been done because they have spent years and years and years claiming that, oh, no, this is the objective science. This is the, this is the truth. And now all of these prominent scientists are saying, oh, well, actually, we don't know. Why, why, have they, why haven't they doubled down on this narrative of we have the truth? Why are they saying this now? Mm. Well, I think we're now starting to see the effects just um, on how even of objective science has been done. And I guess the um, as uh, research has been done and maybe been cancelled or, or um, censored in certain ways. Mm. Um, actually, if, if you look just a moment, I've got a, a one-paragraph quote directly from their article. This mm. is, imagine again, you've got very, very well-known, very um, vocal atheists saying this, and they said, uh, specifically speaking about biology, mm. they say, Bi- biology faces a grave threat from progressive politics that are changing the way our work is done. It's delimiting areas of biology that are now taboo and will not be funded by the government or published in scientific <laughs> journals. Wow. Stipulating, yeah, they stipulate what words biologists must avoid in their writing. They decree how biology is taught to students and communicated to other scientists and the public through technical and popular press. We wrote this article not to argue that biology is dead, but to show how ideology is poisoning it. That's a powerful quote, isn't it, from mm. atheists, yeah. So that's interesting. That's just biology, let alone political science and humanities and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so from here, I guess we're, we're at a crossroads then because it's either science continues to, or what is the, the scientific institution continues down this path of restriction as a result of ideology, or it goes a different way. How, how does this change? What, what is the solution to this, this problem? Yeah, well, that's right. I think we know what the solution is, is to actually go back to, you know, the truth of the Bible. And because modern science arose from a biblical worldview, you know, mm. many of the early scientists were committed Christians who believed that, you know, doing their science, good science, was um, honouring our stewardship mandate to enjoy God's creation, to steward the planet wisely. Mm. Um, they thought God's thoughts after him, as Kepler and, and Newton said, um, you know, doing good science from the idea that God is a law of maker, he's created an ordered universe and we can study it. I think we have the only real answer is to get back to that truth, isn't it? Mm. And allow, but of course, if you go down a secular atheistic way, well then 
there's no truth, is there? Mm. Well, that's what we it. Think, that's exactly right. And the thing is, with um, with scientists, so often they they want to have proof because they want everything so black and white. Whereas we know that with God's word, it's 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 clear, but it also takes faith, doesn't it? It's some it's that whole thing of there's some things that are partly unknown. You've got to accept it by faith. Um, yeah. It is, and it's interesting. Another really interesting article we have on our website, uh, written by Dr. Don Batten, who's a PhD yeah. um, scientist in Brisbane, and uh, he talks about the five atheistic miracles. They also have to believe in miracles, mm. you know, things that, like for example, you know, the alleged Big Bang, the origin of nothing from uh, something from nothing, and mm. you know, the origin of stars and the origin of life. All these are miracles that defy, um, you know, what would happen in a, in a natural world. Mm. Absolutely. So these these atheists and the scientific institutions and whatnot, they're in this place where they basically have they've left. Well, I guess we will see from here a, a movement of potentially scientists admitting that oh, objective truth is now impossible to find and impossible to study through and whatnot. How does how does this affect scientific practice going forward? Like what what will be done about this is is there are we going to see some kind of change happening to rectify this problem well that's a good point does it get to a tipping point where people feel that we just can't move ahead we have to push back in a respectful but um, confirmed way they actually say here they've actually summed up the article with this a single um, sentence they say Unless there is a change in the zeitgeist, which is actually a German word meaning spirit of the times, mm. unless there is a change in the zeitgeist, um, and unless scientists finally find the courage to speak up against the toxic effects of ideology in their field, in a few decades, science will be very different to what it is now. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not saying that people just need to, irrespective of the political cost, they need to say, look, hey, you know, I'm a scientist. I believe we need to make a stand. Um, we're not against people, but we're against the erosion of, of objective science. Mm. And then, of course, yeah. when objective science can be done, and I guess from your guys' experience at creation.com and Creation Ministries International, is through a lens of objective science and research, it then, which has its foundation out of a Christian worldview originally, we ultimately it is kind of working as a cycle that's giving more credence to the things that the Bible says and the claims that it makes uh, and dispelling a lot of the information that is shared from the scientific you know, institution and whatnot, which is now coming out and, and being seen as fueled by ideology rather than truth. Mm. It is, that's what we often say on our podcasts and uh, on our YouTube channel, um, Creation Magazine Live that Christianity is an evidence-based faith and so we don't mm. disconnect our brains when we become faith and many of our staff and scientists were uh, former atheists and evolutionists but they've mm. humbled themselves and said look you know the science and the evidence points to the fact that the Bible is true mm-hmm. they you know, eventually they've given up lucrative careers in academia because they believe that it's more important to be honest to the truth than to you know go with the, the popularity of man and that's not easy um, but I think yeah, increasingly people are going to have to make that choice, isn't it? Do we stand mm. for truth or not? Absolutely. As a lay person in the scientific space like myself or Danuta or many of our listeners, what's the perspective that we can have on this? You know, How can we be well-informed and how can we 
be able to seek out truth and and yeah, really stand with God on these kinds of issues. Well, I think again, we realise that it is a spiritual battle, isn't it? You know, we're mm. fighting not against flesh and blood, but against you know powers and so on. And um, so people need to. Uh, obviously, prayer is a key thing, but people need to be aware of, you know, have a good relationship with God uh, mm. through Jesus. They need to uh, open up God's Word and read it, um, ask God to reveal to Him, but also do their research, start to, mm. um, you know, look at good quality Christian material. Um, again, I'm promoting creation.com. We've got thousands of articles on there just mm-hmm. to look at different topics, look at the evidence, think about which history makes more sense when we look at the world around us, you know, slow and gradual over millions of years with no God or. Maybe there is uh, design and beauty in the world, uh, in the fallen world. Maybe that the world around us reflects the um, the flood and the evidence of that. All these things we can see, um, you know, ways of having a rational, cogent faith, but loving God um, with that spiritual connection. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Hey, we've just got a couple of minutes left, Michael. Is there anything that you want to yes. leave us with before we go? I just say, just be encouraged. You know, it's just great. Um, you know, hearing people like yourselves out there proclaiming, you know, God on the airwaves, um, mm. encouraging people, blessing them. And so, and for all the listeners out there, um, I just so appreciate your time today. And just really, you know, think things through. Don't just go with the flow because it's mm-hmm. easy to go with what the world's saying. Think it through, pray it through, uh, have a, uh, be encouraged in your own faith. Um, we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers, but I believe we. Um, owe it to ourselves, our children, our young people, our, our families and communities that we start to become more um, connected mm. with our community and, and our families. Being salt and light is so important. Mm. Love it. Absolutely. Michael, we totally agree. And thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.